So you went, you flew all the way to Tunisia for one tournament, yeah. knowing that you only have one tournament. Yeah, because I had a wedding the following weekend. So I was like, I was like in LA. I'm one of my best friends' weddings. So I was like, I, I can only go for I a hate travel. <laughs> I hate travel. But I went from LA to Tunisia for so, one weekend. I'm just talking, bro. You know? uh, but I don't get the messages no. on my phone. Oh. <laughs> What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Change of a Podcast. Before this episode starts, subscribe to the YouTube channel, like the video, and comment down below who you'd like to see us have on in the upcoming videos. Today's episode, our guest is Cruz Sell, fresh off of his 25k victory in Ithaca. Cruz, a UCLA Bruin, he's up to 644 in the ATP rankings. Um, we had a fun chat with him. Hopefully, you enjoy the episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe. What's up guys? I'm here to talk to you about the new ITN tennis circuit that's launching this year. It's going to be a tennis circuit held in Southern Africa from January to December with tournaments in South Africa, Namibia, Botswana, Mozambique. The first tournament is actually going to be held in Harare, Zimbabwe. Registration for that opens on January 7th. Go to ITN.tennis to check it out and sign up for the tournament as well as all the other tournaments during the year. There's a great opportunity to get matches in and to meet some awesome people. They are all prize money tournaments, meaning if you win the first round, you're guaranteed some money. For you guys who like dingles, there's gonna be dingles at the tournament with prize money for the winners, all right? Format is gonna be best of three sets, with super tiebreak in the third set, no act. I hope to see you guys at the IPN tournaments and have a great 2024. What's up everybody, welcome to the Change of a Podcast. Um, today we are in Wesley Chapel, Florida. It's my first tournament of the year. As you can see, it's a little bit of a different setup. Um, today's guest is Karu Sell. Karu, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's a pro setup here. Yeah, <laughs> we're trying our best. Um, it's, um, I've been following you on, on your journey for a little bit. Obviously, I met you a long time ago in California. So um, it's nice because we, we spoke a couple of months ago on the phone about setting this up. And I was just kind of picking your brain because you're a lot more experienced than us in, I guess, the YouTube and social media kind of thing. So um, for those of you who don't know, not that we have a big audience anyway, Karu is um, the, I guess, a partner in the My Tennis HQ. It's, it's not just you, it's also you and a business partner. So um, yeah, it was nice of Karu to come on to, I guess, to talk today about, about some tennis and to offer advice to us in, um, in the past so before and give us some views hopefully yeah <laughs> <laughs> no we're, so, gonna, we're gonna get you guys some <laughs> some more people like yeah. you know i think i i told actually myself this year because it, it's weird because with this content creation stuff you can you can get like kind of competitive about it it's like oh that guy's getting more views than me or this whatever and then so i was like you know what like i need to kind of like go over that and you know our channel is like big enough it's going to continue to grow whatever and but if the space gets bigger, kind of like in golf, golf, you know, YouTube, and it's just huge, right? There's, you know, all sorts of content creators in, in golf, but a tennis, I don't think he has, has gotten there yet. Or I guess there's like an older generation of people that were doing it. And then now there's like this newer generation of people trying to create content tennis related. And, and so if we can, everyone can like continue to grow. I think it's good for everybody. You know? Yeah, I mean, so sure. I'm gonna try my best to help I, people. I guess. Well, I appreciate that. And I looked at it that way too. Like I, first of all, like when I think of other podcasts, I watch several podcasts to do similar stuff. So why can't it be the same in tennis? And it can be, like you said, it's growing the whole space. You know, everybody wins if, you know, not that we have a big 
audience anyway. I mean, hopefully yeah, when have, we do have, have a big audience, we'll do the right? same like, thing. There's a different perspective. You guys are doing the podcast. You guys are playing and interviewing you yeah. know, players, and you're, like, very in it. There's, you know, I, I guess most of the podcasts I've done are people who, you know, are tennis commentators or mm -hmm. tennis yeah. kind of media almost. Yeah. Um, but not, not anyone really, like, in the grind. So yeah. it, it's just, like... It's whatever perspective that you can bring that could be unique in your own. And so, you know, that's kind of what you have to like lean into. Yeah. So when you started your journey, what was the reason for you to start before we get into the, the actual tennis, but like what started your like social media, like the want to make a YouTube channel? And because we spoke a little bit earlier about the blog and this kind of stuff. So what was that journey like? Like what was the reason for you to get into this kind of business? Um, I think. You know, it started as a blog first, like I was explaining, mytennishu.com. It was supposed to be kind of like a, um, you know, just a second stream of revenue um, that, you know, nowadays I feel like everyone is looking for. And, <laughs> and um, you know, as, I was, as that was starting, I, I kind of, at that point, I wasn't really playing anymore. I think I was starting to work with Naomi. It was kind of like around the same time. Um, and I think... You know, even my business partner was the one who was like, maybe you should start like YouTube because I, I always enjoyed doing, you know, video and photography. I was telling you earlier, like I, I kind of got into photography after school or something that I just kind of enjoyed doing as a hobby. Um, and, you know, tennis at the end of the day is a very like visual sport that way. So, you know, if we had the site, but we had something going on, maybe on YouTube, on social media, um, maybe would help at the time what we were thinking maybe it would help the site. But um, this, at the same time, it was like, mm, like in my head, I was like, I kind of have like a pretty unique perspective, perspective here, right? Like I'm traveling with Naomi and hitting with her, and but also like, you know, playing and coaching a little bit, and you know, kind of started. We were doing a lot of like racket reviews early just to get people to yeah, like find that. find out who who we are because that's what they were looking for, right? Like, oh, like, and then all of a sudden they watch maybe me reviewing Iraq and they're like, oh, this guy actually can play, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe I brought us a level of like trust um, just through that, just to be through being like a, a, a decent player. Um, and slowly but surely you just kind of like grew. And, and I think now like, like kind of looking back, it's my motivation now is like, I don't want to have to work for anybody. Okay. <laughs> I think that's, that's something that, you know, it, in general, if I can own my own business, I don't mind grinding, I don't mind working, but I'd, I'd rather not have to like work for someone, you know, and, and have to figure the idea of having your own business and figure out how to make it work is kind of an exciting thing. So um, it just quickly kind of transitioned into that, I think, and, and now it's kind of my main goal. But it's changed a little bit now um, because you also have other obligations as you get more, like more growth on the channel than you have like sponsored videos and other commitments too which is also like deadlines and that sort of stuff you were talking to so is that overwhelming at all when you get to that level where you have to meet deadlines and make sure you get things out by a certain time yeah for sure like i think it's been a bit of an adjustment i think ever since kind of reaching the 100k number i think to the opportunities Punch. for, for <laughs> 100,000. We got to reach one first. <laughs> we gotta, ah, you guys are getting, it took us forever to get that first like 1K. It was like one racket review really that like did it somehow. Mm -hmm. And the first 10K like takes forever. And then from that point on, it is just kind of 
keeps going. It fluctuates. It looks real down. at that point. When they when they go to the page and they see 10k, they say, yeah. "Oh, this looks yeah. like it's something real." They say a letter, not Man, that, that, <laughs> that first 10k, we were like, "Oh my god, we got there!" And yeah. it, it just kind of took forever, you know. And and at first, it's just weird. It, it just feels like you're talking to nobody. You're mm. you're at the time the blog posts or the or the videos. You're just kind of like you're doing it for. For nobody, you don't know if it's gonna work out, but mm. you just kind of keep chipping away. I think. Hey guys, <laughs> <laughs> guys is five people. So guys, you yeah. can call all five guys by name. Exactly. Oh, there's there's dudes for sure that I I just know by YouTube handle yeah, because yeah. they've been around for so long, Me and you're too. just like I I know this dude. He was commentating on like our yeah. first videos yeah, like yeah. four years ago. You know? I know some of these ones now too. Yeah, I guess we're talking so. to somebody. Like today, I was approached by someone who came to me. Was like, hey, one of the podcasts. Yesterday the same, so I guess yeah, it's not yeah. it's not nobody, but yeah, yeah, no, but it's, guys, it's definitely it's has not to as grow. many somebody's. As yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, you, but that's the thing; it, it starts that way, and then I think like it, consistency is key. Like consistency is it's the main thing, I guess, in this this business. A bit of a cliche, but like you know, you could have I could have been like, ah, we're just kind of like not doing that great, and whatever, yeah. we'll do something else. But mm -hmm. we just sort of kind of kept chipping away, and. Um, but yeah, like to answer your question, yes, now it's a bit more overwhelming sometimes, you know, like the, having to meet some deadlines and I'm pretty sure I have like to, to redo an ad that I just got a text. So I'm going to have to like, you know, do, do an edit or something like that. So it becomes a bit more of a job in a way, but it's also a good problem to have. Yeah. But, um, you know, up, up until that point, yeah, it's just a bit of a grind and chipping away at it really. How hard is it for you to balance that with, with tennis? Because, I mean, I guess at first when you started, tennis wasn't number one, yeah. you know, but recently you started competing again. So how is, has that changed and is it hard to balance that with your professional aspirations now? Yeah, I, I rarely, like last week was the first time I filmed like matches in tournaments. Like I hadn't filmed a match in, in a tournament like ever because one, it's like, you know how it is in tennis, right? Like you, you have your all your routines and you don't want to kind of mess with that. And if you end up losing, you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have put that camera up because I was thinking about yeah. that. And you know how it is. Tennis players were all a little bit crazy yeah. with that stuff. And, and two is just like, you know, part of it, you kind of have to be respectful of everyone else. And you, I don't want to be like just the dude with a camera yeah. and, and, and who, like, who's this guy who thinks he's so cool with mm. his, it's a, it's a tricky thing to do. So like you go to, I, I tell like usually the subscribers when I make a, a video like I, I won a pro event last year and I didn't have any footage but I was I told him I was like I, I, I just couldn't I was there by myself and I was trying to win the tournament I was there as a player not as a youtuber and that balance is very difficult there's guys you know filming a lot more and it's, it, it seems like it's a stressful thing and for me I just pick my battles like yeah. if I if I'm there to like hopefully win a tournament that's the that's the goal and if I feel like I can maybe put a camera up I'll do it but Aside from that, it's like it's it's business first in a tournament. Yeah. Are you at all self-conscious about having the camera out and like it's like I don't know. Yeah, when you used to vlog yeah, and thousand, be in public and like talking to yourself. And a thousand percent. Yeah. Not a vlogger. Not a vlogger. Yeah. I've done vlogs and I'm not. You know, like people want to see a little bit like day in your life or like stuff like that, and I I find that content so awkward. Mm -hmm. And and you have to have like a pretty. It's difficult to be a vlogger. It's difficult to, to really get someone to like buy into your story um, that way. Um, so I, I'm not good at that. I mean, the best is when you see them like do the vlog day in the life and you see them waking up in the morning. Yeah. That's, that's BS because you have to set up the camera, <laughs> yeah, yeah. get back in bed and then yawn. 
oh. <laughs> and then get the camera again. Oh, dude. Or, or someone like, for example, the shot, you know, a normal shot, right? It would be like you walking in your hotel room. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but like, you have to set the you camera have, up. No, you to have to walk, walk in your room, then go set up out. the camera, go back Check out the angle. with your bags. <laughs> with your bags. <laughs> walk in like you're walking in for the first time, you know? But it's like, if you can kind of let go of that, I think you can come up with like good storytelling. Like I, I made like one of my favorite videos I've ever made was about like Ojai. I won Ojai last year. The money tournament. The right? money tournament, right? It's a big, it's the oldest tournament in America, I think. It's like a hundred, since like 18, I don't know, 60 something or 19 something. And, and it's just like a cool event. It's a cool week there. We used to play Pac-12s there. And, and it's like a, a, a month of tennis in Ojai. It's this very historic, like little town. So I made a vlog more about Ojai than really me winning. There wasn't a lot of tennis. And I loved it. And a lot of people loved it. But the algorithm was like, nope, that's not mm. what you do. It's not going to do well. And it was like, it did terribly. But I got people saying, like, this is my favorite video I've ever made. So it was really cool. But it's like... Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like views wise, it was, it was not great. And I've done it. I even did it with Marcos. I did some first couple, couple of tournaments that we did together in Australia, right? in Australia. I did yeah. a little vlogging and again, it was the same thing. Great videos. People were loving it, but sort of like, I watched those videos. Didn't yeah. do well. Mm -hmm. They just didn't do well. And future videos started doing kind of poorly because like the, the algorithm kind of stopped recommending the channel so i had to kind of bring yeah. it back to to kind of what we do usually that was, so that was beginning kind of, of 23 beginning of 23 yeah yeah because we we started discussing this business at the end of 22 beginning of 23 yeah. and we were trying to do as much research as possible so we we're looking at like as much tennis social media as we can so we looked at your stuff we looked at simon's stuff we looked at like different podcasts and stuff and basically trying to find our identity, you know, because yeah. at first we didn't know it was a podcast that we wanted to do. We just kind of had an idea that there was some, something that we wanted to do, but I didn't feel like our personalities were good enough to be able to do any of the day in the life stuff. Like it takes a certain personality, like a strong personality, like yeah. don't care about how it looks from the outside. But it's, but it's also kind of like it's played out. I find it to be boring content. Okay. You know what I mean? Just like a day in the life. I don't, I don't care about what you were eating and stuff like that <laughs> a lot of times. Like it, it's just not that in, enjoyable. Like I, I, I don't know about you guys. I grew up a, with like a lot of YouTube. I watch a lot mm -hmm. of like, you know, the Casey Neistads and like the, okay. the kind of like goats of like YouTube. I was watching a lot of that stuff and they were so good at storytelling, right? A lot of people came in with like great storytelling and, and that's a skill that is very difficult to have. You know what I mean? It's not a skill that I, I particularly have. I think mine isn't instructional like kind of educational content um but it, it is a difficult thing so it's just to almost i find it like a bit almost presumptuous that that to assume that like oh like look look how the day in my life is super interesting mm. yeah. like you guys play pro events the day in the life is boring as hell yeah we don't do anything yeah. we sit around we like we're on our phones we go eat we can play a little tennis yeah. and it's just like try to conserve energy and that's kind of it and yeah. and to make make it a bigger deal than it is, I don't think is even like right because that's not what we do. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like last week, like in Ithaca, like I got the notification on my phone, like your screen time went up like 78% this week. Yo, that happens week. to me every time I go to a tournament. Screen time up. Every time. Because what else are we going to do? And nothing yeah. to do at all. There's nothing to do. You play a little bit of tennis and that's But it helps it. now with the, like I guess with us, with the podcast, like this will help because this burns up a few it, hours out of your week. We'll exactly. record you one today, one something. tomorrow feels useful a little yeah, bit outside right? exactly like it's not it doesn't drain you like with the energy you don't no. get exhausted from it i mean 
if we do it at the end of the day, it's fine. Because if we are tired, yeah. then you just go to sleep at the end of the day. Yeah. But then, yeah, it's not like you're being physical and it feels productive. Like feels say, productive. You know? Exactly. I, that's why I love having it too. Because I yeah. can, oh, I don't have anything to do. I'll cut maybe a, like a, a reel or something and yeah. find a couple points or something or something like that. We need to learn to edit so we can do our own stuff, save some money. You can learn to edit. We <laughs> <laughs> should be out of business quick. Um, what's your tennis story like? Like, how did it start? Because I feel like the good Brazilians normally go straight pro and yeah. they kind of forego college. So I'm kind of curious, like, what was your upbringing like in tennis and what kind of made you choose to go the, the college route? Um, upbringing kind of like normal, you know, I'm from a small town in Brazil and by like, you know, by 11 or so, there wasn't like many people to play with anymore in the town. So I, which, I started... Which town? Uh, small town, Jaraguá do Sul, near oh, yeah. near Florianópolis. No place. clue. Repeat that. Jaraguá do Sul. Yeah, that was nah, pretty good. Shut up. That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that was really. But it's um, it's like kind of near Florianópolis. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, so by eleven, twelve, I started just kind of going to in Brazil. Academies are not like academies like here. They're more just like tennis clubs that like kind of open up to players and coaches and becomes like a it's a kind of a joint thing. Um, it's not necessarily you just like live there and mm -hmm. all that. You live nearby, but I started kind of training there and basically stayed. It was in Itajaí. It was called um, a lot of the Brazilian guys train there now. There's still kind of a big thing. So I, I just kind of trained there from like 11 to to 18. Moved there to to start training. It was an hour away from home, so mm -hmm. I was doing like a commute twice a week, and then by like 14, I was like every day, and I just kind of did the whole like junior grind, you know, 16, start playing the ITFs. And at the time I got kind of lucky, Brazilian Federation had a good amount of money. So they were, you know, paying for some flights. So I could do the whole like ITF circuit. Um, as a junior, I think I got to like 30 something in the world. And, but at the time we had a lot of like, you know, good, Brazilians. I was like 30 in the world. I was probably like the sixth best Brazilian. In, Which in we were set with like Tiago Monteiro and these guys. It was like Tiago Fernandez. Tiago Fernandez was good, bro. Yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah. He won the Australian yeah. Open. Don't know oh, you don't know that he won the Australian mm -hmm. Open Juniors. Okay. Um, it became like a huge thing, but he quit at like 20. I saw him at Wimbledon. It was kind of nuts. Shout out Tiago. He's a great guy. Um, uh, Bruno Santana. Okay, Sorgi. There was like yeah. a there's a few guys. Um, and so one top the in the world and you were the sixth guy is funny yeah. <laughs> you worked so hard and no one cares <laughs> yeah. the, the federation was they had the money and then in brazil had a lot of futures at the time 2011 2012 brazil was hosting like 30 something futures a year it was kind of nuts um but it that second year of like 18 so it was 2011 my last year of juniors i just kind of didn't do that well I wasn't playing that well I was a bit kind of burned with what I was doing. I wasn't sure what, what was what I wanted to do. And my coach in Brazil, Patricio, he he was number one. In, he was an Argentinian guy. He was number one in the world in juniors. And he went to Georgia for a year. Um, and he was like, it's like, go to college. It's going to be the best thing for you. Like, And, and I always thought about it. In Brazil, people think about college, but it's usually the lower level guys yeah. that end up going to college. Um, but it's always kind of there. It's always it's not something that we don't think about. You think in the past it's because there were so many tournaments in Brazil, like people think that they can just. Like, I stop I just think the mentality something. in Brazil is that going to college is is quitting. quitting, and that's the problem. And I think it still is the mentality, okay. and that that's a big thing. And 
I was just like 2011, kind of not playing that well. I was like, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go do something different. I'm going to, you know, if I'm not going to become a top 100 player, I've, I'm going to get something out of my, my, my talent, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, my parents were supportive and we just kind of sent. So it was, it, I mean, for me, I thought it was the best decision I ever made. Like, I, I wouldn't have changed for anything, really. But uh, in Brazil, weirdly, I, I don't think the mentality is it's still. Like, I think it's still, if you're going to college, you're giving up. And I think yeah. that's just so dumb. What number do you play your first year at UCLA? Six. Six. Yeah. I didn't play. So I got there, like, in March. Okay. UCLA is a quarter system. Oh, so I yeah, got there right. in March. Didn't play that year. It was, like, pretty stacked team. And then the following year was my first year. I played six. I played four, five, six my entire career. What was the best team? Like, what was the lineup on the best year you had there? My freshman year was was pretty pretty stacked. It was Novikov is one, Marcos two, Puget, McCurchin, um, Clay, McCurchin, Clay Thompson, and myself. And then my second year, Mackie came in. So it was Clay, Marcos, Mackie, Gage Brimer, yeah, um, Puget, and myself. So it was every, everyone you, basically got. You to were like on the team with the. National championship when Puget touched oh, yeah. the net. Yeah, it was my doubles partner. Yeah, I I I brought it to three all. I was down. I, well, was, we were tell down the story. Three tell the story for people who don't all know. All right, so my freshman year, 2013, uh, we were number one in the country, number one seed at NCAA's, and we were, we played Virginia in the finals and undefeated Virginia that year. But a Virginia that hadn't won yet, that hadn't won a title yet, they've lost a bunch of times to SC. Uh, and they had a pretty stacked team. It was like Dom and John. Um, I mean, who who are the guys? I mean, like the Shanes. Um, Jeremy Jenkins. Jeremy Jenkins was yeah. one, obviously. Um, Mitchell Frank. Who Mitchell was, Frank didn't miss a ball. Didn't miss a ball. Best, yeah, like <laughs> you know, Mitchell Frank is the guy that you want to clinch, right? So, anyways, we end up we go down. We lose the doubles point. We end up going down three two. Um, with two matches left, my match, my doubles partner left. Uh, match left um i end up winning and like immediately as i win like i sat down like put my bags down puget broke like four three go to five go up five three to serve for it and so he serves he's serving for it we all go there it means this is about to happen you know it's 15 love 15 all 30 15 30 all 40 30 match point um, he you can look at it. This is on YouTube. You can find the clip. Me too. You can. He serves T. Mitchell Frank hits a Mitchell Frank return. You know, like hits his bracket a few times. Goes on the other side. Puget comes like comes in. He hits a back and like he didn't have a great back. And sorry, Puget, but he didn't have a great back. But he comes in, hits a back, and he's like, I'm coming in. Uh, moves into the net. Um, Mitchell tries to. Hit, uh, hit a passing shot. I don't remember. I think it was a back and volley. Uh, Adrian hits a back and volley, and Mitchell like sails a lob. So like we're just looking at the ball. We're about to like ready to sprint. yeah, we're ready to sprint the court. But in in between the moment that uh, Puget hits the the volley and the, and and Mitch hits the sh his shot, Puget like sort of like hopped and like grazed his foot in the net. It was like, because he closed so hard. He went so hard to close because the approach wasn't good. But he was good at the net. It was the right play. But on championship point, he touched the net. So, like, we're about to rush the net. 
And the ref is like, no, 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 no. Like he touched the net. And we were like, did you guys like, see? What? No, we didn't see because we were just looking at the ball, right? Like we saw he was closer to the net, but like we didn't really see it. And like we're just kind of losing our mind. Like we're, we're confused. To be honest, I don't know what happened. I, from that point on, I know Puj loses. And I, I kind of blacked out. I, I kind of don't remember like team meeting or anything. I just remember we lose and then we were at the bar and everything in between yeah. that. I don't know what happened. Uh -huh. But I just know that like we were just also in shock. I mean, it's still deuce. I don't really remember, yeah. you know, Mitchell Frank made, we're playing in Virginia, yeah. champagne. <laughs> oh, we're playing in champagne, crazy wind and just not pretty tennis. So great for, for Mitch. Um, and we somehow like lost that one. And, and it was okay. just like, it, like it was just like a heart break. It's almost like an iconic story in a way. I've told the story so many times. Yeah. It's almost like, I don't know if it was better to that to happen or to win the title. Yeah. Cause <laughs> Because it was so iconic, but to when, when was the last time you guys saw someone touch the net in singles, in doubles maybe, but in singles? Yeah, I don't know. Can't put a, you think the right? referee just lets that go? Like, does did Mr. Frank see? Probably not. Probably not. Just let it ride then. Probably not. But it, it was pretty obvious. Oh yeah. Like right. you watch it in the video, he kind of like he kind of oh. gave it a good kick. Okay, yeah. okay. But I don't know how you do that. I just don't. I just don't know how you do that. So tough. And, uh, yeah, and then after that, I mean, it was one of those. I mean, you still a deuce, and I don't remember what happened. And just how was that just night out? Fall apart. It was fun. I mean, Virginia was there, too. There was one bar to go, and everyone was there. <laughs> and I think we just kind of had a pretty good time, to be honest. Everyone tennis, got lit. Tennis won this day. Yeah, tennis. UCLA tennis lost, but, but tennis won. So. But, yeah, it's a good story, like, forever. Um, I actually, the, the one from, from the following year kind of sucked a bit more. I thought we were the best team in the country. In 2014, with Mackie, Clay and Marcos are number one and two in the country. We have Mackie engaged, like, who are unbelievable, the best two recruits in the country. And then Pooja and myself, um, we beat USC three times a year. Uh, we were kind of just giving to them. And we end up losing a tough one to Oklahoma in the semis. And, and then USC wins it. And we were like, come on. Like, that was the that was it was in Georgia. The Oklahoma team was that's when they started to go on their yeah. like their run. Like John Roddick. John Roddick was like Alcuerta and and um, Alvarez at two. Alvarez was good, man. And then it was like Andrew Harris, Dane yeah. Webb. It was like a pretty stacked team, team. You know, yeah. I was playing like Galea at six, and yeah. it was tough. They were, they were a tough team. I mean, they made three finals in a row. But like I thought that year, like we were like the best team. Are you still locked in, like with the UCLA college chance and stuff, like? Not so much. Well, you live in LA. Not so, yeah, but not so much. I think, I mean, the team has obviously not been like great for the past few years, I don't think. And um, I, I just, the new stuff with like NIL and stuff like that, I, I just don't really know what's going on in college tennis. You know what I mean? I don't know how, how recruiting works nowadays and who has the edges on that and mm -hmm. who's going to be able to kind of game that system a little bit. I think, you know, UCLA. <clears throat> The school in itself, they were always very like they're very strict with recruiting and things like that. Like the, we're we're not messing around there, so I don't I don't know how they're going to be able to compete maybe with certain schools that are able to offer you know 100k mm -hmm. for someone to come play for a season or yeah. stuff like that. So I I think that the new NIL stuff kind of has turned me off from college tennis in general. Not, these schools not from, must have such a crazy competitive advantage. Who doesn't want to play in, in LA? Like who doesn't want to go to school and well, like in, but now schools. it's like, do you want to play in LA or do you want to play at you know you want to play in some other school that's gonna pay you fifty k 
they're promising you yeah, to help yeah, with your career after and all this money stuff is hard. exactly yeah. it's like it, that, that's the thing like I, I would choose i would probably choose like the, the second right like yeah. you know i mean they're what is Vir virginia is offering the brazilian guy fonseca to go there i don't think he's gonna go but yeah. but if he if he were to go i'm sure he's not going for free right yeah. so that kind of has turned me off like i i want to see obviously i i like to see i always like to see guys from college doing well you know like when you see some dude it's like oh like Nuno Borges now, like just yeah, doing unbelievably well. So, I I I still think he's a great like route for for people to develop. Um, but I'm I'm just I'm kind of old. I'm kind of removed <laughs> from it. I'm thirty. But, so taking a step back to when you so the the idea was that you weren't gonna go pro, so that's why you're gonna go to school. So when did that change? Because I played you uh, in Claremont last round qualies the week. Was that your first title that you won? Yeah, it was my first title. Yeah. My first tournament back. For after college. After college. Right? So yeah. w when did you decide before that that you were going to go pro? That you were gonna I go? didn't. I quit. I finished school in 16. I played this. I played him and I lost him. He wasn't even playing tennis. And then he wins the tournament. <laughs> no, I, was play I played a lot of men's opens that summer. Okay. Yeah, right. I, went, I went and cleaned some men's opens and got to make some money. <laughs> um, California has some good men's opens. You know what I mean? There's yeah. some, some stuff that pays like decent like three four or five thousand so it's yeah. like it's kind of nice um but basically i i finished i was playing really well like at the end of a 16 um but kind of mentally not in a great place to be honest just kind of like you know you're finishing school you don't know what the hell you're gonna do anymore you know what i mean it's like i'm gonna am i gonna you know go play pros i don't have the money to do that it's like you know like my parents can't really like afford that it's like it, it's it's an expensive game you know what i mean and i'm like i'm not gonna be able to get like any sponsors you guys know the the, yeah. the feeling of it right so i'm i was just kind of like maybe i'll you know i'll go into college tennis coaching i thought there was a that would be a really you know cool career from you know the experience that i had in college so i went to pepperdine and, and volunteered for a year so i was there and i was just kind of playing with the guys and 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 kind of keeping maintaining my form i i played calabasas at 25k because i lived in calabasas and i just played it and i, I think i got to the quarters there and so I still had a couple points when we played. You lived in Calabasas? I lived in Calabasas for a little bit. You been to Calabasas? We don't have to say much about Calabasas. Why? You guys um, like Calabasas? No, love Calabasas. Calabasas is unbelievable. Yeah, I, boy, I lived in a little apartment in Calabasas, <laughs> now with the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was nice. I mean, it was a good, like Pepperdine is a great place to work. You know, I commuted over the canyons and yeah. got to Pepperdine and Malibu is awesome, you know? Um, my business partner went to Pepperdine. You know what I mean? He played. At, he played there. I was his coach for a year, um, and so kind of did that for a year. But then, kind of towards the end, there realized I was like, "Why? Why am I not giving this a, a shot? You know, I'm playing well. This is kind of the time to do it. And I'm 20, whatever, three at this point. Um, might as well like give it a go. So I, I just kind of played all these men's opens, and I was like, there was gonna be like Claremont and. Laguna Niguel, yeah, Fountain Valley. Valley. I was like, let's just do it there because you know I'm home. I can sleep at home. I don't have to travel, spend the money, and you know, you know. Then I end up winning the tournament, the first one. I was like, I guess, I guess we're we're going full out. So yeah. um, that's just kind of how how it went. I think it's just difficult to go away from it clearly because I keep coming back. So <laughs> it's a difficult thing to go away from. Why'd you quit the first time? Money. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, you just... But you were like 300 when you quit. Yeah. Like you quit at 370. No, I, I quit. So I, I got to 370. 
I then I, I that year I had, I was actually getting a new visa, so I had to go deal with some stuff that I'd take a little time off. And then towards the end of the year, I had like a, a little hand thing that I'd never really get injured, luckily, but it was like a three, four month thing that I couldn't defend Claremont and USC. So my rank yeah. dropped to like um, about That's five, two titles, yeah, yeah, two titles. And then the transition tour came. Remember the transition yeah, tour? Yeah. yeah, in 2019. So the year I quit was 2019, middle 2019. And that year, they added that transition tour thing. So I'm in no man's land. I'm, I'm basically like my ranking doesn't get me in challengers because they, they were basically just pushing the challenger tour. Yeah. And I had to fully restart. It was a full restart. I had to go to 15Ks and build an ITF ranking. And at the time, I'm like, what is happening? Well, like, I'm three, just like, if you had three something... You must have been pretty high in ITF, but then if you get hurt, you lose those points. All of a sudden, it's quick. You you go back down quick, like, and you had to be like they only let like three spots from ITF into yeah, you had or to, something. Like it was so you had to be the best. You had yeah, to be like top fifteen, maybe. What's that Portuguese there. guy that wins like a billion, billion futures a year? <laughs> Gonzalo or something. Oliveira. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he wins like eighteen futures a year. That he was gonna be the one getting in challengers, but so it just it was. Sort of like a culmination of things, right? Financially, you're just kind of struggling a little bit. And then this happens. You feel like you have to restart. Um, maybe you're a bit burned out. I made a kind of like a full video on that recently, kind of reflected on that. Um, I, I saw it too. Yeah. And, and you know, in in general, like Cap. I got a taste for... Bro, I watched this man's video. <laughs> I've been watching since 2023 <laughs> December. I'm so Oh, to the yeah, channel. I watched that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't let him distract you, bro. <laughs> No, it was funny. This is a shared um, space, huh? Shared yeah. space. <laughs> Same space. Same shared space. space. Share it? Shared. Like he talked earlier about tennis. Like we can share this space. Oh, so this is the space that we share. I'm talking about the tennis community. It's not <laughs> oh, a competition. Oh, okay, I got you. I got you. I missed yeah, it. I missed it. It went over my head. My bad, my bad. Come on. Act like you've been here before. Cut this out, Reese. Cut this, please. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, and it's. I think it was a combination of things, and I started kind of doing a little coaching in LA and you kind of start getting a feel for just having a normal life and it, it weirdly got, became very appealing. I don't have to travel anymore. I don't have to worry about that. I'm making some money. Like, you got a dog. Yeah, I got a dog. and it, Like, exactly. I did oh, you got to watch it for real. <laughs> yeah. And then you just kind of like, you you realize that like, the you know, once you kind of have a job like that and you're, you're making some money, you're like, most of it, you're, you're, you're covered, right? Like, you can kind of do whatever. You can go to dinners with your friends. You can do, you know, I'm, I was so tired of, like, oh, man, like, I can't spend, like, $30 on a dinner. That's crazy. You know what I mean? That has to go for my... And you get a girlfriend, get expensive. Yeah, they're expensive, <laughs> man. You know, dating in L.A. is not cheap, you know what I mean? So, you know, it's, it was just, like, you're in your mid-20s, and you're kind of, you know, you want something different. And that, that was kind of, like, how it happened. It... it, it came to me a little bit. I don't think it was, it was just that the decision sort of happened naturally. I got lucky with some certain clients that I had and that were really supportive and, and obviously like we're playing a lot and it just kind of snowballed the other way. And by the time I looked at it, I was like, I, I, I'm enjoying this. And it was, it was, you know, it was one of those things. Again, you're young and, you know, you start working a little bit and within a few months I was like, you know what, I can upgrade my car. Like, you know, I got a new car. It wasn't anything crazy, but it yeah. was like, it was a nice feeling, you yeah. know what I mean? And so I just kind of went that way and it, I'm, I don't really regret it. It was kind of cool. Hey guys, quick break. Justin here from The Changeover. I'm going to talk about Pro Stringer. It's a great machine that I use, Jody uses, and a lot of other pros use as well. You can use it at home. 
on the road, really anywhere there's a tabletop surface. It takes me about 25-30 minutes to string a racket on this machine. It is easy to travel with, fits in carry-on, suitcase, tennis bag, no issues at TSA. It's a big money saver and you can save even more when you use our code CHANGEOVER to get $100 off the machine. Back to the episode. How did the um, how did the Naomi Osaka opportunity arise? And like, was it like you ended up traveling with her to tournaments to be a hitting partner and stuff? Was that the arrangement at the very beginning, or did is it a relationship that built over time? Um, it was. So I had done a few like hitting partner gigs before, like with USTA with 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 certain WTA players, and honestly, it just happened in a way that. Like it was random. She she moved to LA, and they were looking for someone in LA. And my name, I think, popped up like from from their research, um, from their her agent. And eventually, the, they called me. I was like, "Hey, like, would you like to just try out? Like, we're gonna train at UCLA for a couple of weeks, and then we're gonna go to Australia. But like, we need to just do a tryout." And then after a few days of hitting, they were like, "So you're good to go to Australia?" I was like, "Sure." <laughs> and it just kind of worked out that way. And then, and then it became me. We stayed kind of like working together, like on and off, just because I, at the time, like again, still visa stuff that I, I couldn't travel outside of the U.S. I, I was fine with my P, but it was like a tricky like visa thing. Yeah, um, I think with Brazilians, you have to go back to Brazil. Yeah, like if you leave the country, you have to go back to Brazil yeah, to come back. It's to a the very States. difficult thing. So like I was like I I just can't keep doing that. You know, yeah. I'm not gonna like leave and then have to go to go to a consulate and redo it. So I was doing basically the, the work in LA, like just training with her a lot in LA and do the US events, but it was then it was COVID year. So we basically, we did Australia and then COVID hit. What was your responsibility like on that team? Like literally just be, just do whatever. Um, I mean, just hitting, but, but you know, I came in with the new, with a coach who was still with her, Wim Fissette, okay. um, Belgium guy. She's, you know, he's been with the, a lot of players basically every time he's available someone snags him because his great track record so uh, we came in together he's kind of a young guy as well and we got along really well and he I think he kind of respected my tennis knowledge in a lot of ways so he was really cool about you know he would ask me you know questions about her game and I'd say something and he would tell me to tell her and it was like an interesting like you know again I stayed in my lane but when when I was asked to do it I you know I'd give her feedback and and it was a I you know I had a great experience with, with her I thought yeah. the, the year and a half we won two slams um we won that like I was there for when that COVID US Open that she won like we were there just like stuck in a house that's when for, she was wearing like the masks and stuff yeah. like the there was like messages on the masks mm-hmm. I think right yeah like for every you know police brutality yeah like victim and stuff like that so it was a really interesting like month because we played Cincinnati and U.S. Open at in New York. Oh yeah. So right. we stayed in the house. So we we had to give our location. So it was like mm-hmm. house site site house house site site house for a month, straight month. And you know you play playing the U.S. Open in the beginning. There's players. There's not anybody there, but there's players. Mm-hmm. And then by the end, it's like you the team the other people's team and some workers and that's it and you have the entire art rash for yourself it was pretty wild it was that's a wild weird. time have yeah. you seen have you seen the her netflix documentary like the three episodes yeah what yeah. did you think of it if you remember i remember little not that much of it i thought like was it accurate to how it actually was like in her like 
like in her preparation and then like i guess the things that she was feeling and stuff because it was yeah naomi is very like she's very like in tune with her feelings you know like she might not be great at expressing a lot of things but she's yeah. very in, in tune with her feelings and i think i think part of the reason she is so good it is that like almost like genetic combination that she has right like she's half japanese half haitian and she has like almost like the work ethic like to like put her head down do the work as a Jap- you know japanese do but she has like a lot of intuition when she plays she has like she has the feeling of it you mm-hmm. know i mean some some people like work really hard but they don't have the, the feeling of the game and i think that that was always the thing for her like very you know, we didn't overwhelm her with stats and things like that. We allow her to, like, kind of figure out and play. And, and you know, the Netflix doc was, I, I think, it's tricky with those, those docs just because you are telling your own story. And I don't know, like, if you, you can, you're always going to be a little bit biased, right, if you are the one yeah. telling your own story. Like, you know, because you're, you're, in a way, in charge of the edits and mm-hmm. in charge. Like, I don't want this, I want that, whatever. So I just remember feeling like it was a bit sad. Yeah. I feel like it weird. could have been a bit more. Yeah. You know like what I, I mean? I felt and bad then, for her. Like yeah. It's, it. it's like it, it kind of built into this like this is how I am. And I'm I have all this like, you know, maybe emotional things that I have to deal with. But there was never like the the the. Then the positive side, right? The, the yeah. side where it's like, well, even through that, like I've been able, you know, I've been able to make some positive change in Haiti and and all that stuff. And I think I thought like the positive side of maybe the struggle wasn't wasn't, this wasn't in it as much as maybe it should have been. Yeah, I'm just curious. Like, anytime I hear anything of her, it always seems more on the sad side. Mm-hmm. Is it was working with her? Was it always very emotional, or was she also down to have a good time? And no, it was, was always a good time. That was the thing. Yeah. When things like turn, like I remember, it was like the European tour. Like they were in, in the clay, and she didn't want to give the interviews, and it became a whole thing. And I wasn't there, so I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't sure what was happening. Okay. I just remember, you know, three months before we had, we time. finished preseason for Australia that she won in 2021, and I was telling everybody, it's like she's gonna win Australian Open. I was like, she's playing so well. Like, I was like, I, I was like, actually like, like she's beating, she's beating me in one set. And that one set was like, you know, typically you start a little, little slower, just like, let's keep her in. And I remember she like, I kind of gave her a break and I couldn't get it back. Usually you can kind of get it back and I couldn't get it back. And she like won like six, four. And I was like, oh my God. Like, she's playing unbelievable. So you had to be conscious of her confidence when you guys play practice sets. Yes, yes. Whenever you play points and stuff, like, yeah. you obviously, like, you, you're going up and down, right? Like, oh, she's playing really well. Let's, let's give it to her. Because the goal as a hitting partner is not to just make balls. It's to, like, keep them, like, challenged, right? Okay. Like, keep them, like, but if some days, like, you know. So you got to manage your level at the same gotta time. You got to manage it. You got to manage it. And I think oh, that's, that's why skill, I was a good huh? hitting partner. That's rough. <laughs> well, I think I was a good hitting partner because I was coaching before okay. so i could kind of sense it i was like oh like she's she's looking a little flat here i'm gonna give her some like nice balls right into the strike zone and then like all of a sudden she starts feeling herself maybe she's a little too confident <laughs> yeah i think now let's just like <laughs> give her an yeah exactly and Wim liked that Wim was always like yeah like never like if she leaves the ball like somewhat short put the ball away do not like give her the ball you know what i mean so you know like that so 
pre that Australian Open, I mean, she was playing so freaking well. Like, I mean, she was just hitting winners left and right. I was like, she hits the ball way bigger than all of us here. Like, she hits the ball freaking big. So, like, if she's striking and she's putting, like, she's super accurate when she's, like, on. And she's, like, I'm, I'll give it to her. I've never seen someone, like, hit, like, we did a lot of stuff with cones. Like, hits cones like crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, that's actually pretty impressive. Like she hits that that many cones. So when she's like firing like that, you know, gut gut in the in, in the racket, and that ball is just freaking <laughs> flying by it. So at the end, sorry. No, on. no, and so she's she's playing like really well. So people, I think the assumption is that like she's like always sad and like, but she's always like kind of like chill. She's super chill, yeah. just chill. She kind of. I imagine that's how it was. I like, guess there's no way. Not there's no way, but like I felt, I felt bad when she was very successful and stuff. Like the, the image they painted of her was yeah. that she was not not doing well all of the time. Yeah, it was super, you know? it was super wrong. I was like, that's just kind of a weird thing. I kind of had to distance myself a little bit just because I was, um, like I needed work. You know, she stopped playing. Yeah. <laughs> so like, but aside from that, like we we, you know, had a really good time for for you know the, the times that I've worked with her and then that that led into your next I guess stage was with Marcos or not really not really so much I think Marcos was always kind of like a one of those things that we were just always talking tennis a lot you know what I mean like he's talking about like how he's playing and how he's feeling and how this and that and we're just kind of always like bouncing back and forth about tennis and it just sort of naturally progressed into, you know, he was with Max for a long time and, and, you know, Max was just kind of like maybe getting a little, I don't want to do like 30 weeks a year. So it was like, maybe we'll split some of the weeks and just kind of became a natural thing. Really wasn't like uh, super planned. Um, and, you know, again, just kind of maybe sometimes having a guy that can hit with you instead of him having to hit with someone else just to, to be able to work on his own stuff. And so it just kind of worked out that way. Mostly it wasn't super like, you know, I wasn't like really seeking like an ATP coach job. I was just mm-hmm. more like it was Marcos. We're, we're good friends. We live five minutes from each other and it just worked out. You know, what was that experience like? You enjoyed it? I enjoyed it to, to certain things. Like I just for me, I have a hard time, you know, like you guys know, like getting on the road. Even at the highest level is the same thing. There's a lot of dead time. There's a lot of just like downtime and and and, you know, some people really love the traveling. I find the tra- traveling part of tennis the hardest part for me in general. Just kind <laughs> of a kind of a homebody. <laughs> Why don't you, you tell? Know? Sorry, this is in, in between the story. Why don't you tell people listening how you got here from, or how your last two days have been? I guess from oh yeah, Ithaca, so, winning Ithaca to being now in Westy Chapel. Exactly. So like the traveling part is tough. That's what breaks you down. I I so I I won Ithaca last week. So played on Sunday, was leaving the following day, 5 a.m. on Monday. Um, so, you know, wake up at 3.30. I'm in the airport by like 4.20, just sitting down, waiting for the flight. Then we're all like sitting down there. We got a notification. The flight has been pushed to like 9.40. I got delayed. To, uh, delayed. But then that means missing the connection, right? So I have to get another, like change the flight because apparently the crew stayed in a hotel that caught fire, so they didn't get it, get enough sleep or some stuff. And I'm just like, what Awful is- day for you, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, so like, here, so like, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna nap for like a little bit and just be on this 9, 9.40 flight and get my next flight and I'll be fine. And then it gets pushed to like one. 
And I was like, I can do this. So I have to get my bags, rent a car, drive to Syracuse, get on a flight. This is like 8 a.m. at the 8.30 a.m. at this point. Drive to Syracuse, get on a flight um, from Syracuse to New York and then New York down here. So I wake up at 3 a.m. to get here at like 8.30 p.m. Man, texting me for, said it would have been quicker to go to Australia. Literally, <laughs> if, I, if I had left, like, you know, L.A., Australia, I would have been in Australia for a three-hour, <laughs> basically, flight, right? A flight. So, yeah, the, the, the traveling is the hardest part. And, man, the on tour, tour schedule traveling, it's brutal, you know? So, like, mm-hmm. you're, that kind of thing, that kind of breaks you down a little bit. I enjoyed, you know, like, being around that and, you know, you're just around that high level and just kind of like soaking it in a little bit and, you know, helping Marcos and all that stuff. Um, but it, 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 it wasn't a lifestyle for me. I think some people love the lifestyle. If I'm not the one playing, yeah. I'd have a hard time with it. So that's what drove you to come back then? Like you, you were around the game a lot and obviously I'm assuming what happens is you're sparring with him a lot, high level players yeah. and you're playing well. Yeah. Cause you wouldn't want to come back if you weren't feeling like you could come back. Right. So is that kind of what happened? Part of it, I think the three years of, again, just being in coaching and hitting partner and being with Marcos and being around all these people, I think like it was three years that I learned a lot about tennis. You know, one, as a coach, you're always seeing, you know, kids doing stupid stuff. They're like, man, I do that too. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and you start like almost like ironing out your game without even training. Mm-hmm. And then I'm hitting with Naomi and I'm just hitting and I'm like learning some stuff and I'm listening, picking up stuff. So, Picking up like, you know, a, an idea here, an idea there. And, um, you know, coaching is so good for for your game. It's so, you know, you can be very objective about like someone's tennis, but when it's your game, you're always emotional about it. Um, and so the, that, the time off doing that sort of gave me a little bit more clarity about about the game in itself. And, and just like, again, just picking up like knowledge here and there. And I think I got significantly better not just hitting with marcus but throughout those years by just playing and not worrying if i was getting better mm-hmm. does that make sense it's yeah, just kind of sure. playing like my serve got better i when i was pl- when i was playing before my serve wasn't that great and i think nowadays and like i can rely on my serve very, very well and and just style of playing and all that stuff so i i with all that time um away i was able to get a lot better and then nowadays when I'm playing I can be a lot less emotional about my game like is it easier for you to pick up on that stuff like when you start to get into that emotional game, yeah you can just you like you notice it and you can be adjust it's a lot easier I mean I played I mean like like a, well, the first thing was like I started playing those PTT events last year when I had time off like Marcos would go with the other coach and Newport Beach has a lot of PTT events it's like 40 minutes away from home. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go play that. And I played one and I won it. And it was like six matches. Nice. You know, you play a lot of matches. And then there was like a time off there. And then I was back in town. There was going to be one. I played another one and I won it. And again, it's like the level. It's like, what, 12 and a half, 13, 13 and a half UTRs kind of in that, that level. And so, you know, it's it, it gets you going. It gets you motivated. And you're playing and you're competing. And, you know, you're playing with some juniors or kids that are about to go to college. Mm-hmm. And they're like trying to take it to you. And you're you're kind of feeling that again and you you, you kind of miss the almost like the psychological warfare of playing and mm-hmm. that's something that often like when we're very in it week in week out we we hate the psychological yeah. warfare you know but 
when you're a bit removed from it, you start kind of enjoying it. So I was like, I'm kind of playing well. I wanted to see if I could get a point again. And I couldn't get a point anywhere because I couldn't get in anything. And so I got a wild card in Tunisia. And I was like, oh, let's go to, out there for like a week. I literally could only go for a week. And I went out there and like got kind of got lucky in the qualities a little bit and, and got to the quarters. And I was like, oh, I got a point again. And so so you went, you flew all to Tunisia for one tournament, yeah. knowing that you only have one tournament. Yeah, because I had a wedding the following weekend. So I was like, I, it's like in L.A. I'm one of my best friend's wedding. So I was like, I, I can only go for I a week. I hate travel. <laughs> I hate travel. But I went from LA to Tunisia for so one week. I'm just crazy talking, motivated, bro. you know? <laughs> crazy motivated. Well, your confidence must have been through the fucking roof if you're flying to Tunisia for it one week. It was through the roof. I was like, I, I'll, I'm going to Tunisia and I'm going to get a point. Like, okay. There's no chance I'm not getting a point. Okay. Um, and I just I kind of got a bit lucky. Any nerves? First round, I was like shitting my pants. Of main or qualities? Main. main. Yeah. Qualities, I, 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 I kind of did a. It was I got an easy draw, but okay. but first round I was playing some French kid, um, and I was like I was tight, nervous. I was I was nervous. So I was served, when I was serving for it, just kind of trusted it. I was like I'm I'm nervous, but I've been playing well, so I I, I either fall apart here or I just like let it fly, yeah. and I kept like just letting it fly. I was serving for it. I was like, you've done this, you know. I, I had like a some point like a twenty match winning streak this that year just playing PTTs and men's opens. I was like, you've done this a million times this year. Served it out a bunch of matches. Just just trust it. Just trust it. Just keep just one one good swing at a time. Yeah. Um. So I got through that and then I played like some pretty relaxed tennis the following two rounds. Lost to the one seed. Kind of tough. Lost to a guy Gautier. Lexi Gautier. Lexi Gautier. Like I lost him like He's righty. Righty, tall, lanky French guy. Lost him like six and four, and I was like, "Oh, like I'm kind of like riding that level." So, so why not? Why not go again? How do you approach the game, like matches and tournaments, differently now than you did when you were playing pro the first time? Um, I think now it's kind of like one. <laughs> obviously, there's like a little bit less pressure in, in terms of, like I think of the financial stress of everything. Um, I'm not necessarily playing board the money or for the ranking or for like to to become like there, there isn't like necessarily like a number in sight um like my goal is to like make like slam qualities i think like a sort of like a obviously the goal is to be top 100 but i, I think a, a doable goal goal like if you're playing well is to get to the 250 number um but that it's not like super stressing me out, you know. I think I can I can now play a little bit more. Relaxed isn't the, the thing because we all feel it, but like maybe not worried so much about that end goal versus just the match that I'm playing. And I and I think we. It's very hard to be present when you're a competitive tennis player, right? Like you, you know, the, the, oh, this guy won last week, and like oh this and that, and we have FOMO. We should be playing this. Like there's all sorts of things that like don't allow us sometimes to like just play. Um, so that part, and then just kind of, I mean, something I was telling, like I was actually just shooting a video from last week, but I was saying that um, I think that part of it is also like. You, trusting the work that you've been putting and the inputs that you've been getting. Like I've been lucky with Marcos, like he has a relationship with Agassi and we kind of worked with him a couple of times and Agassi has given me some pointers that I was like, oh, that really like opened my eyes in a lot of ways to how to play. And um, Can you give an example? Just like basic things of like, you know, like 
engagements of the match instead of like sometimes we're so stressed out about like our own side but like we're not even like aware of like like he says something like if i'm thinking about myself so much in the match like i'm not playing good tennis i'm just, i just need to notice what they do really well because andre was playing like seven steps ahead of everyone else he's like if i do this and that and you're gonna do this and that and that then that, that. he was playing chess right and, and everyone was playing like checkers mm -hmm. so like just certain certain things like that so like uh, understanding like what what keeps you neutral what keeps you um it, what gets you like 55 percent ahead of that point how can you stay there for a long time like how can you play like low blood pressure tennis great tennis but low blood pressure tennis we're always like trying to rev too high sometimes you know what i mean it's like oh, we're gonna play a guy who's like a little bit better it's like I, I feel like i need to play so much better than i am and uh, there are certain things that that allow us i think to play again I'm, I'm a bit older now so i'm not too again necessarily too worried about the ranking or the money because i'm not doing this to like get rich or anything like that i'm just I want to compete and I want to play, and that allows me, I think, to play some some good ball. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so it's a tr it's a tricky balance to to have, but that that thing that allowed me to to then just trust what I did. I did a lot of fitness this off season, did a lot of training this off season. So I, if I come to a, the tournament, I gotta let go. You gotta allow yourself to then just play. And, you know, I I saw this girl one time, a golfer, and she was like, the toughest part about golf is that I have to care so much about golf to come back every day and train but on thursday on the first tee i have to like not give a fuck anymore mm -hmm. but how do you do that yeah you know what i mean and tennis is very similar right you have to every day like go do the work but how then you play free yeah. free and f free in a you know not just slappy way right but yeah. free in a you know point by point just kind of like in that point and not like two points behind or five points ahead, yeah, you know? That's true. It's fucking tough. Yeah, it is tough. I don't want to get too, like, and personal might be the right word, but you obviously have, like, a very clean backhand. Yeah. And I think you've been sort of open about the struggles on the forehand side. Yeah. How do you, how do you go about, let's say, playing free when, I don't know where you are now today with that, because obviously yeah. you're playing well, you won 25K last week, but how... When you've had tough times with the forehand, have you been able to, I guess, and practice focus on improving it and then go into matches and just kind of play without, I guess, being too conscious minded of what you're trying to do? Like, how do you balance the two, the two ideas? Um, I think one, I think the first thing is like try, trying not to panic too much about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think for most of my career, I'm like, oh, should I be hitting the forehand like this way? And then you're looking at, you know, like a guy, like my age, I played, I beat in juniors as team, right? And he plays that crazy foreign heavy and he was so successful with that. And while I was playing, I was looking at it, I was like, should I be hitting like that? And stuff like that. And so it's like, the first thing is like trying not to like panic and like then go into like, I want to hit, you know, my forehand like Fed or like Carlos. Like you have to kind of stay within like, I guess, even your physical limits. Like for example, I don't have like the fastest hand in the world. So like, why would I try to hit my forehand like, you know, like Carlos, you know what I mean? So, I mean, they have so much snap on that wrist. So it's like finding what 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 keeps me more effective on that side versus mm -hmm. necessarily you being too perfect, right? Um, so again, not, not panic too much, not try to make too many changes. I actually like taking time off and not like 
you know, if I can take like two, three days off to just like let the, the body reset and then you, you go back and you can just kind of like hitting out of like muscle memory helps. Uh, I did make some changes like the last, I'd say 18 months where I just made it like just more compact and just like, just more like out of my chest and I'm just going to like allow it to just like let it fly from here versus being too big and have too many things maybe go wrong. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what I do on my back and it's like just a very simple sort of motion. So just simplifying that, that process. Um, and honestly kind of accepting that it's just kind of going to be bad sometimes. I think there's very few people in the world who can adapt to conditions so well, like, you know, the best guys, like Novak or something. So there's going to be weeks where unfortunately it's just not going to be very effective and, and there's not a, maybe a lot I can do. You know what I mean? But there's going to be weeks where it's just maybe the condition. People don't think about that much. Like yeah. That often, you know, like you, you play in a condition that's probably not ideal for you. You have a bad result yeah. and then you think, oh shit, I need to fix this. I need to, to fix, fix why. You don't have to fix anything. You don't have to fix anything. You know, you, it's like you take the, the same right surface, level. The right condition. Yeah, yeah. you play yeah. the same level in somewhere else and then maybe you have a good you result. Know, there's, you know? I, I feel like this week, it seems like it's playing almost like clay court style like right that ball is going up and down and like you everyone's kind of throwing that ball into that loop up and down it's just gonna be like not you not you today i'm i'm gonna try not to Yo, the first five minutes there's nothing up above my knees like, <laughs> back i'm just going skidding. straight this way side spin back i going this but, way yeah but it's, it's tricky you don't know if like if really in the match how effective that's going to be right like if, if it's actually going to do any damage so you have to be like kind of hypersensitive to 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 again, what's kind of keeping you at least like neutral on the point. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it might have to be like, you know, kind of having to go a little bit more, but sometimes it might, you know, like with <laughs> a good example is like we would watch Marcos play Bautista good. And the better Marcos hit, the better Bautista hit every time. Marcos is hitting amazing and Bautista was just like, and he just takes Marcos out every time. Just because Marcos almost plays too clean, mm-hmm. but every time you would watch him play, like he, Marcos like almost didn't wasn't even thinking about it, but he would play like a kind of worse shot, a worse ball. Then he would kind of like be able to get ahead, mm-hmm. you know, and and so like, but he didn't have like that sensitive sensitivity to notice that and to maybe like understand like oh maybe if I play a little bit like shorter and worse like I'll, I'll get some some results out mm-hmm. of this right, so. Um, yeah, it's like it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing, and I, I, I think just in general, at the end of the day, like, I feel like there's always going to be a side that we are not as comfortable yeah. in, and we just kind of have to. Work you will find it. yourself like mentally training your forehand during a match, or you, yeah, too, past that? too much. It's still, yeah. mm-hmm. I was tell, I was telling myself last week that I didn't want to do any swings because I have the the just like. In between points, you're always like swinging. Yeah. And I was like, stop swinging. Stop like, stop swinging. Just like, you know, go to the next point. (laughs) Go to the next point. But I think, um, yeah, I I do think about it a lot. Like, I'm always like, it's a, I'm not so worried about like, I don't know about you guys, but like for me, it's feeling. I feel like I'm way too in tune with my feelings playing. Like, Mm -hmm. this feels right. This feels wrong. It's not necessarily how it looks, but it's like, it's the, what's the ball doing? It's the, feeling right like yeah. is that almost like do you do you feel the racket the entire time or is that a point where you almost like lose where the racket it's kind mm-hmm. of like a golf swing it's yeah. like 
You don't want the feeling to then change the way you're actually swinging at the ball. Because no. probably you're swinging at it the same way as you were yesterday, but yeah. it feels different, and then you try to <laughs> change something, and then you actually, you know. Exactly. And then you mistake. actually make a a, 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 a change yeah, that change. is not going to have, yeah. it's not going to be natural, right? Exactly. What, what, it feels, what feels natural? What feels, like, easy? What's, what, yeah. what you know what targets feel easy what what shots feel easy and and then, then again that still allow you to to you know get ahead in the yeah. point i mean you watch you know again from the experience i mean i've i had the great experience of coaching markers against medvedev and on rod laver arena and it took him a while to get a game you know and it was kind of like <laughs> yeah, the Djokovic Manorino team, yeah right? and it, it was just kind of like man like you're always like you think you're in the point but he's just doing exactly what he wants you to do the entire time. And that's kind of the, the more you watch those guys, like the more you see that, the more you see how like they make the match get played the way they want to play. And they can control that so well. They're not changing anything. They're not like, they, yeah, there's stats. And like here's maybe where this guy struggles a bit more. But in general, there's a, there's a level of, of self-confidence on, on what they do, even if it's weird. Like, Daniel is so weird. Everything he does is so weird and unorthodox, but he believes it like crazy. But which one comes first, right? Your ability to do it or, or, your, or the belief. And it's the eternal struggle, I think. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, because obviously playing at UCLA, especially the time you did, so many great players. You had Giron, you had Maki, all these guys. Cressy. Cressy. Yeah, a bunch of good players. Like, yeah. what did you pick I, I, up from these guys? And, like, what made them, I guess, the upper echelon of college tennis from everybody else? I think each of them had, like, different different things. Marcos mm -hmm. was, like, he was outworking everybody. Okay. Like, Marcos just, like, he works. That guy works, man. He has, a, has like, ants up his ass or something because he cannot sit still, you know? And he, so he was working, like, really hard. He was more physical than everybody at the time. Um, and I thought that was like his thing and he just, you know, he had a kind of a slow progress, slower progress through the pros, but he never sort of get, like let up, mm -hmm. right? Kept working, mm -hmm. kept chipping away at it and, and he, he made it. Um, I think Mackey is an interesting one because Mackey, Mackey was just freaking good, you know, like he came in, he was very good and he kind of got better and, and Mackey, when he he's kind of like loose and free and, and in a good place. I think college really helped him with that. He kind of, he, he had his, his buddies and was able to kind of, um, he was a bit younger than me. So he had his kind of his own crew there and, and he was just like freaking good, mm -hmm. you know, like he was cleanest ball striker ever. And, and, and we kind of never like doubted that he was going to make it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? He, he just kind of had it. Just good. Yeah. yeah. He was just like good. Um, I think he actually kind of sometimes like doubts himself a little bit more than than he should. I think he he ball striking wise he could, you know, he's up there. So, um, I think what I really picked up is I mean people are just kind of unique to their you know their their timelines their their abilities and you know Cressy. I mean he came in he he couldn't play doubles. Mm -hmm. Like I played doubles with him, like I couldn't talk. He was so nervous. He couldn't talk. He was like he was like so nervous. Like just call everything. I was like, okay, I'll call everything. Yeah. You know, he couldn't really play. He couldn't, like, really hit a ground stroke at the time. And he came in just kind of like, I was like, who is this guy? Like, why did we get him? Yeah. You know, and it was my <laughs> last year. I'm trying to win a title. And it's like, why did we get this guy? He can't play. And then, like, two years in, like, he sort of changed. And he, 
did the, the serve and volley thing and started coming in a lot. And he's crazy athletic. I mean, his athleticism is, is off the charts. So I, I think that's something I've been thinking about a lot. It's like, what do, do we even have free will on how we play? Or is it like determined by like our, our physical genetic like abilities, right? Yeah. Like, you know, a really tall guy was like, everyone's kind of like tall and skinny nowadays, right? Like mm -hmm. on the top 10. Tall, skinny guys, really fast, loose hands. Um, but that that's a lot of it is like their genetic predisposition. Like Mark yeah. was built completely different than that. Mark was built like, you know, from like the core, the, the butt. And that's kind of where he's like, he's always had like huge legs and he's always been like super, obviously he's worked for it, but he, he just kind of like always had that also mm -hmm. like genetic ability. Like for me, it's like, I, people are like, oh, you play so smooth, but I'm like, it's out of necessity. It's not out of <laughs> me trying to be cool. It's mm -hmm. like legit. Like I don't really have the fastest hands. Yeah. Playing to what you can do. But my, yeah. My strengths are, you know, good ball striking can take the ball early, you know, and, and, timing I'm, I'm pretty good with that I understand that but i understand those things and that's why i gotta play if i if someone's like if i get a coach and he's like hey you gotta start you know backing up and hit heavy i'd be like what are you talking about mm. that's crazy i would never yeah. be able to play like that if you try to conform to like the like the ideal men tennis player like exactly manarino is a great example of that right like i think manarino is playing such awkward kind of crazy tennis that people haven't seen in, in quite some time. Top 30 now? Top, top, having the best, like, I think top 20. Yeah. yeah having the probably. best, like, you know, stretch of his career, but like really just trusting his little, like, thing. Imagine the ball around. Imagine yeah. the ball around, keeping the ball low and just like, really good at that. There's going to be matchups that people just take it to him. Nothing he can do. There's going to be conditions that does not work for him, but it's a, you know, it's a consistency game, right? Yeah. So if for a few weeks, you can do really well. So tell me about the backhand now, because I saw you had a video on, I don't even remember, it's YouTube, Instagram, whatever, but you're getting torched with the backhand. Oh, yeah, because I said it was more right side. Yeah, so yeah. Was, so, <laughs> so why don't you let, uh, I guess, the audience know like your thoughts on, on the backhand, why you believe that it's a, like, what you believe, I guess, well, it's, the backhand. I was first always of all, a, his backhand is, is unbelievable. Your backhand is your strength, right? Oh, yeah. I was always a, a left hand guy. It's like more left hand, right? Like if you're teaching little kids, you're like, you make them hit with like, you know, the left hand and what not. I mean, everyone's done that. You have a one hander, right? Yeah. But like, yeah, this calm is not for you. Not, no, no, I'm gonna shut up. No, <laughs> I'm gonna shut up too because I, my strength. I, slice. I have a one hander too, like this. Always thought that. Always thought that. And because we, f I feel this side more than like this side, right? So, but then we're like with, with Andre. And he's saying like you got this is what controls the ball a little bit more the right side. I, I was saying right hand in the in the video, but it's it's like kind of like your right side because we're righty. Like the strength is coming from here. Mm -hmm. um, and and for like a, a, the first day, I was like, is this guy on like drugs? I don't like what is he talking about? But as we kind of like went along, I was like, oh, like it's like there's there's a there's a part of the back end that sometimes gets lost in the, in the process. Like we, we go like from here and we're just thinking acceleration forward, but there's that, that first part of like that racket drop and that first like pull into the, 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 the ball that is basically a one hander. Like I, I can hit a great one hander because I basically just let go of my left hand and I just go like that. 
and with the once I put the left hand into it, so it starts as like a take back, and then there's going to be that first drop, and then that first like pull with the right side with, with your strong side, right? And then like the left starts kind of catching up, and then by the time you're hitting, like both are kind of like in action, and then you're gonna get here. But what happens is when you put too much left into this, you just kind of like start chicken winging it a lot, right? It's mm. like you go, eh, like that, and you have no strength, no control. Yeah. But when you go like right side, you can like really like like let it fly so how, it depends a bit on like <laughs> yo we have this on video, <laughs> this video is it, it depends a little bit on 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 grips i'm not gonna i think there's there are people who are way more lefty i feel like murray is a guy who's like super lefty with it um and so like what, what so grip you don't you think have, that every backhand is majority right just depending on the i don't kind think of every, but have. i think the majority sh like if i'm teaching someone i would be teaching because i've done it i've done this with like I mean, 3.0s, like guys who are not good. They can barely hit. And I would make them like do a little bit more right right side on it. And then they would hit it just like off feeds and stuff. But I was like, huh, that looked pretty good. I was like, that looked like that didn't look like mm. weird lefty. It looked like he just got kind of got controlled. And that the face of the racket started like roll through nicely. It wasn't like this, yeah. this choppy like thing. <laughs> but it's, it's. Again, I always on the video, no? felt, yeah, I always, I got kind of like half, because there's apparently like, now Banyan has said that, Novak has said that, someone tagged me in a you video You're in good recently. company, I mean, I can see now Banyan, Djokovic, yeah, yeah, and I was just kind of like, how did it come across, like, you having a bad backhand there or something, for Agassi to, to tell you, like, no, not me, it was, uh, we were oh, working someone with, else. with, with, with Marcos. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. but, but just kind of like, it, and it, it was an interesting, and there was like a, was, yeah, someone tagged me recently. It was like a video of like Novak kind of like telling someone, and they're like, he was kind of like telling him to like ex extend a little bit the right side first. And I was like, oh, that, there you go. It's just, but again, like Novak is a bit more like, you know, that right hand is a bit more of like Western, right? Yeah. Like it's not like so like, like Eastern here. Yeah. I think like, you know, someone like, like Tiafo, right? Like he's so like bunty with it. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I, I, I then I, it could be like, but he still needs this. He, he can, like, we, I got in a thing with him, like, in, in Houston, him and Tommy Paul. And they're like, you're crazy. Like, it's, it's the left side. I was like, well, I'm going to listen to the guy who won eight grand slams and not you guys, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, it, but, but I was telling him, it's like, I felt left too. I was like, I'm, I know what you guys are saying, yeah. but I was missing a, a piece of the whole thing. Because I always said, like, more left hand, more left hand, mm -hmm. more left hand. I mean, it's a two-handed backhand, so it makes sense that yeah. you have to... But like, we're also, <laughs> yeah. we're, not yeah. we're not lefty. Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't have... The power doesn't come from here. It comes from, like, here. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's very... Uh, this topic is very, like... I don't know. There's not many people to be like, oh, I understand. It's like either you do it this way or you do it this way. Yeah. You know? So, like, it's like... I just, I just feel like in coaching in general, like, the nuance is... Lost. It's yeah. a bit lost. And so, like, you know, what I try to do on the channel a lot is not worry about like technical things like too much like upper body like lower body i think we all have to kind of do the same thing the same motions and you know load and tr weight transfers and things like that but what we do up here it's it's pretty personal you know yeah. it's pretty individual how sure. we see the game do we see more you know straight do we see like more curved like some like i asked i asked andre because i was like what did what is like, what was Fed's thing? You know, it's like, cause it's kind of, you know, we know he takes the ball early, hits the ball super hard, but what was his thing? He's like, Fed's ball was always like, 
bending away from you more than you expected. Like he actually played with a lot of like curve and shape. Mm -hmm. So you always thought you were kind of in the ball. And then like by the last second, that ball like went away from you another like, you know, 10 inches and you're like not in the right place. I was like, oh, you know, like there's like those like little nuances. And, you know, Rafa does that so well too, right? He's always kind of bending the ball. But then, you know, Del Potro like just plays dead straight. So some people, it's how we see the game in a lot of ways that way. And you can... Like when you accept that. when you accept that your your identity is like kind of what we talked about before like if your your game style is gonna work on in these weeks and these days and stuff you don't panic as much to try and change and yeah. try to play your way at every single I don't even know how to explain it. like you can't play like high spinning on course that are gonna go fast then you know you have to accept that it's gonna be a tough week you mm-hmm. try and manage how you can don't try to change it because then when you go to the place that you're actually gonna do well at then yeah, you, know, you I mean, make adjustments. You, you obviously want to try to like have a little bit of everything for yeah. it and be able to manage everything, but it's just kind of hard, you yeah. know. And that's something that I think the guys that dominated tennis for so long, like don't get, you know go play Madrid and they play Rome, it's completely different things, and to win them like back to back like that, it's like it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. So you know, it's a. But ultimately, not many people can do that, you know? No. And I just think for, you know, for the, the listeners who are kind of like amateur, like, players, I, you can't really tell that, like, in like in a video or in watching a, ten, watching a match. Like, you, you can't really tell how the milliseconds that may be, like, you know, the core from this week versus last week how that ball gets to you, the, the, the change in height mm-hmm. that it can happen. Sometimes even from the outside, you, you, you can read, unless you're playing, you can't feel it. So it's like, people can be like, how do you miss that ball? Like, yeah, you miss it. Like, because there are certain times where it's like, like there are, you know, you're maybe more comfortable hitting that ball six inches, a little bit higher, but that ball is never getting like there. Mm-hmm. And you know, for instance, that's what Daniel does to everybody, right? He's always making you hit like almost in your knees. And, and and those changes can be very like yeah. very difficult and, and so minimal, but they, they they make a you know if you try you like to drive the ball, and the court's kind of gritty and you feel like you hit a great ball and the dude still gets there and still yeah. passes you and you're like, I can't just hit a great ball. It reminds me like two weeks ago in preseason I was training we're doing doubles drills so I'm doing cross court forehands. There's two guys like one guy my partner than that their partner than that. And I'm working a lot on like weight transfer and like trying to see like soon as I get an opportunity to come in, I'm gonna crush the net. And I feel like I was doing it very well in training the last couple of days. But then this day I'm rallying cross court with a junior, and he's working on the same thing, like trying to get his weight into the ball every time. And I just feel like it's a regular rally ball that's coming mm-hmm. towards me, and I wasn't doing the drill well, the drill well. So I was getting frustrated. And I was telling my coach like, "Yo, I'm, like what what's going on here? Like I've been doing it fine. I feel fine. I was hitting fine in the warm up, and then we start doing the drill, and I'm." doing it off and he's like no don't worry he's mishitting and I'm like but I can't really see that he's mishitting like I can't I can't hear that he's mishitting like what I see from his end is that he's trying to do weight transfer so he's trying to like time it well move through the ball but because it's his first or second time working on it he doesn't do it as clean so sometimes he hits it really clean the ball comes to me yeah. but then sometimes he doesn't hit it clean I can't tell it's a different ball I don't really feel it's a different ball but it's a different ball you know and he was yeah. telling me like he said Jody don't worry just trust me like you're gonna be fine tomorrow. You'll be fine with anyone else right now. You'll be fine. Like, 
he's just not playing clean. You can't really notice it. That's why maybe you're not adjusting to some of these balls, you know, but mm -hmm. ultimately don't panic, you know? Yeah, you can't panic. It's so easy to panic. Yeah. I, mean, I, 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 I haven't, you know, seen you guys like training and like how your routines go, you know, outside of tennis, but it's outside of tournaments, but it's so, so easy to like just panic. Yeah. You know, one True. bad day, you're like, oh my God, True. it's the worst. Yeah. You know, and there's just, I don't know. I, it, but again, mentally, it's like we're all so different too, like how we how we take that in and, yeah. you know, how we process those things. And um, I guess for me, that has just been, has been getting older and, and hopefully somewhat wiser and being able to process certain things better than I did like before, yeah. you know, and a little bit less comparison, a little bit less of all that stuff mm -hmm. and just, you know, shot by shot, what can you do with the shot? Hopefully the, the second run at the pro, the pro life for you yeah. goes better. Not that the first one was bad. Yeah. So, and that's, I mean that's again that's the goal. But that's uh, again I think all everything that like all of us are doing, especially in this content creation kind of world, is. I was thinking about this in in, in Ithaca. I was like, because, I was like, ah, like you know, you know, how you can sometimes complain of futures or this and that, like, whatever. I mean, sometimes the conditions aren't great, whatever it is. But there is something to be said about futures even challengers being almost like the peers like form of like competitive tennis right because when you get to the ATP level it becomes a bit of a circus you know there's a lot of media a lot of like stuff and there's obviously the people who are the favorites and the tournaments there's a lot of like and the storyline yeah there's a lot of storylines there's a lot of stuff and which again fine it's 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 a sport and it needs that but in in at this level it's fucking survival yeah you know what i mean <laughs> and it's like it's with two guys on a court and it's just like just battle it. yeah and it, there's there's a there's a purity to it that is that is interesting yeah, aside from all this stuff that like we struggle with you know everyone struggles here with the money and all that stuff there's a there's a purity to to these matches um that you really won't find I don't think anywhere else. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think college tennis is a completely different vibe. It's great. You, you guys know it. I've, I loved it. Mm -hmm. But it's different. And here, there's there's just it's just two guys just battling. Because <laughs> going for Because the money, like, doesn't matter. You know, yeah. no one's here for the prize money. Yeah. Aside from, like, maybe winning the tournament. Like, you know, it doesn't really truly matter anything. Yeah. So, it's a, yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun thing. Yeah. That reminds yeah. me, uh, quickly before... We get into the fan questions. This video is sponsored by IPN Tennis Tour. So IPN Tennis Tour is they're implementing this circuit in Africa. This is the first year. I think it's about 14 tournaments. Um, you can go to the website and look it up. And basically, it's prize money events, similar structure to futures in the sense that it's, I believe, 32 draw, knockout. Um, they don't have doubles. They have dingles. Um, and they offer prize money from the second round on. Yeah, dingles. It's cool. Yeah. It's different. Yeah, it's different. And it's, um, I guess it's just an opportunity for, they're trying to build the game of tennis in Africa. So it's an opportunity for African players or players, international players. If you're in the area, you should check it out. Go online, search. Um, and they're just trying to build a sport in Africa. So I feel like um, hopefully it's a success for, for the IPN Tennis Tour. Hopefully they, they get going and they, they're able to, to build the product of, of tennis there in Africa. Because I feel like that's something that, when I read a, l a little bit about it, did a little bit of research, it reminded me of like what we need in the Caribbean. We, like, we had the junior circuits like in the Caribbean in the summer where you would play like 
you know, five to ten tournaments in the summer, and then for the rest of the year, I don't play any tournaments, you know, so... Um, That's crazy. Yeah, like, I, I did not play ITFs during the year. I just played ITFs, like, handful of tournaments in the summer. Um, that's where I met Justin actually like in one of these tournaments when we were like 11 so that's crazy to not have that many yeah have, like two months of tournaments yeah <laughs> yeah but um yeah so if if you're interested check out IPN Tennis Tour um they have a website we'll have the website and the link down below um yeah so should we get into the only fan question I have is from Zachary. The if only you, fans question? Yeah. yeah. That was a crazy question. The way you phrased it. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was one. like, oh. Only one. No, no. Just I don't know only if fans. Have... <laughs> 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 no, it's because somebody didn't share the story to their account. But anyway, we digress. Um, <laughs> we go from. Shared space. Yeah, yeah. Shared space. Why you didn't share, share our Instagram, bro? What? We're probably in the requ request. Request deep in the request. Yeah, request. This is what happened oh, when you have a I, big Instagram I don't page. get stuff. Like someone texted, like, no, I'm, I swear to God. I got, <laughs> I'm like a drop and I don't get messages <laughs> no, on my oh, phone. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too fucking popular. <laughs> no, you have enough everything. questions. No one needs to ask us about uh, you. You have your own profile. They ask questions to you. But um, this is from Zachary. If you can describe like what one of your tennis sessions look like any specific drills that you enjoy that you enjoy doing like what are your favorite drills um that's a good question i i like to do a lot of like direction change not like me moving but like a lot of stationary like direction change so you know if, if we're hitting cross i don't like staying just hitting cross for a long time I like if we're gonna go two three times change down the line and just feed in our ball like yeah. i almost do that every time like a couple hit two cross, got to go line, stuff like that. Or, you know, if I'm hitting just like one-on-one, -on -one, put a guy on the four, only on the forehand corner and I only hit to the forehand corner from any, any part on the court. I just in general like um, ball movement, you know, like I'm, I'm working on ball movement, not necessarily, it doesn't have to be very specific, um, but just being able to maneuver the ball around from anywhere on the court and try to put it anywhere on the court. Um, so I do a lot of that, and, but n nothing crazy. I think a lot of people think, I don't know about you guys, but like I think yeah. in general, a lot of amateurs think that a, a pro tennis session is like we're, we're doing crazy things. We're doing cartwheels and then hitting forehands and stuff, but it's, Basic, most, yeah. it's mostly a just lot of very playing points, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then playing a lot of like, you know, one, you have a, only a second serve or. Situation, or situational yeah. points. I, I do a lot. We do a lot of that stuff, but that's just as old as time, right? Yeah. I think everyone has been doing that forever. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like you know, feed yeah. a ball on the run, play it out, or something like that. Just for me, similar, like <laughs> I've really enjoyed recently since I switched to doubles. Like primarily my training, I've enjoyed a lot of the cross courts, but like transition stuff, you know. So trying mm -hmm. to hit the ball big out of the middle of the court. If I change line, I try to change in the alley because you have to kind of think that there's someone, you know, in the singles part of the court. So you want to change line very accurately and strong um, and then try to come in when you can. So that's kind of one of the bigger focuses for me recently, just so that not that I'm going to spend a lot of time at the baseline, but I know my forehand is a strength. So like when I am there, I'm a presence and like make them feel pressure to not want to. To rally maybe they'll bail out early maybe i'll get a ball that i want to i'll come in for pressure so that's kind of what i've um enjoyed recently and just any transition games like volley games and stuff i start to enjoy more so what about you 
favorite drills yeah any drills like how what do you enjoy working on like um yeah situational stuff i like i like to play maybe some i like my phone inside out so maybe we start some points where i'm in situations where i have to use my strength the way i like to do it and make just kind of rep that out and make sure that that's pretty clean and then yeah i like actually to play points that are situational so like Running backhand, running forehand, play the point out, stuff like that, and then just regular points, serve, return. Just whatever you need to work on, just kind of put it in a situation for points, because that's how, that's how you do it in the match. You have to do it in a point situation. So once you wrap it out, find a way to make it applicable to real tennis. Yeah. I think, like, it's something most of my viewers are like, sort of that 4 four o level, 4-5, whatever. And... UTR? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what a 4-0 UTR like, no, I don't know. looks like, to be honest. But, um, but yeah, they, they, a lot of them just like want to, you know, just groove. You know, they want to mm -hmm. hit down the middle a lot, they want to cross a lot, stuff like that. I'm like, you're not ready for the chaos. You're ready to feel <laughs> good, but you're not ready for the chaos at all. Like, and you, I play so well in practice, but so bad in matches. I mean, that's the question I get. If I if I ever make like something like ask me a question, ask me questions, I would promise you like six out of ten it's like I play well in practice but bad in matches. Mm -hmm. That's everybody. Every That's even the pros too. Yeah, it's even so the pros. I'm like, what do you like? What do you think you're special about that? <laughs> <laughs> like that's all. That's that's the entire goal to play somewhat the same level you play yeah. in practice. You know, but they panic. But if, for a lot of them, it's like, well, what do you do? Well, we go. For an hour, hit rally down the middle. I'm like, what do you think? Not really happen? tennis. Not really tennis. Yeah. Like, or or you go to a practice session with a coach, and the coach is just like, you know, making you feel great. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was feeling so great in practice <laughs> today, right? Because yeah. yeah, either I was hitting the ball perfectly to you, mm -hmm. or I was just hand feeding it to you, and you're hitting it clean, and then all of a sudden, you That's know, the illusion. It's yeah. an illusion. It's an illusion. <laughs> you have to be ready for the chaos. Yeah, chaos. I hit one ball deep, one ball ball short, one ball fast, and next spinning. And, if you're not ready for the chaos, it can play. So. Are you gonna bring some chaos tomorrow? I don't know. The conditions seems like they're chaotic, so we'll see. We'll see <laughs> how it goes. I hopefully can just kind of keep riding this out. I don't feel good. No, I don't feel too tired from last week. And That's good. Um, but you know, it's always first round is always kind of tricky. Just knowing how the balls are going to, how what you do is going to, yeah. what kind of chaos is going to create, right? So, got to find that out. And but. Not, not too, not stressing over it. Just gotta go out and play. Well, we I don't won't know what time you, I play. We won't keep you too long. It's getting late here. So, crew, thank you for spending time with us. Thanks for talking. Of course. Um, guys, don't forget we have the pro stringer deal. If you wanna get the pro string, a hundred dollars off when you use code changeover. Also, we have merch in the store, but not too much longer. So, if if you're still watching at this part of the video, feel free to go to the store and, and grab some merch. Um, yeah, we're in Wesley Chapel. This video will be released, I guess, a week from now. So, um, by we'll see the time. How we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, hopefully, we have a good week. Ho this. Hopefully, we're not out of the tournament by tomorrow. Um, these boys play singles tomorrow. I play doubles tomorrow. So, we're hoping to, to have a good week. So, thanks for watching. See you guys in the next episode.